Hi, you're listening to the Rav Desla Pasha podcast with me, Avram Ziedman. Join us as we weave together philosophy, psychology and Kabbalah to uncover new depth to our weekly Torah reading. Okay, so this week's podcast is not actually Rav Desla, but I believe that it is Cain Rav Desla. There are 613 laws in the Torah. However, we can add a 614th and 15th and 16th and 17th. We can add however many laws we possibly want to. How? By making a nader. If you make a nader, a promise, then that becomes a brand new mitzvah. It's a halacha that you have to keep it. However, what about the scenario? You were to have a girl and she says, I promise never to eat chocolate ever again. And she's old enough to understand what a promise is. We're not talking about a baby. And her father hears that and thinks, nah, nah, that's not, I'm not accepting that. The halacha is, is that if the father on the day that he hears it says, it's not a neder, it's not a neder. It says, Hashem yislach la, Hashem will forgive her. Forgive her for what? What's she done? So Rashi explains, the scenario is, she didn't know that her father heard it and mouthed it. And now she's tempted by chocolate. She eats the chocolate. If she eats the chocolate, she requires a slicha. She requires a forgiveness. Why? Why would she require a forgiveness? She hasn't done anything wrong. She's allowed to eat the chocolate. If you're allowed to eat the chocolate, what's the problem? The problem is, is the mere fact that she thought it was prohibited and still ate it, that in itself needs a forgiveness. What we see from here, there is two parts to every mitzvah. There is the mitzvah itself, but there's also the other aspect of respecting the king, not rebelling against what you're meant to be doing. And for this, I heard a beautiful analogy from Avlef. Let's do it. I call it apples and watermelons. All right, I'm going to give you four scenarios. Scenario number one. A doctor speaks to a patient and says to the patient, you are seriously allergic to watermelons. I'm sorry to say this, but if you eat a watermelon, you're going to die. And the person says, okay, get it right. Wow, okay. Don't eat watermelons. As he's walking home from the doctor, he goes to the supermarket and he sees there's a sale on these really, really big apples. These ginormous, heavy Apples, you know, they're green on the outside, light green, dark green, light green, dark green. And he buys himself a very big apple. So he thinks, it's really a watermelon. He takes it home. He takes a knife. He cuts open what he thinks is an apple. And he takes out all the black pips. And he starts eating this mouth-watering, juicy apple. Mm. And he starts eating it. And all of a sudden, his mouth starts foaming. feels a bit numb. He calls up the doctor. He says to the doctor, doctor, what's going on? I'm, I'm feeling really ill. He said, what's, what, what happened? He said, well, I'm eating this, this juicy, succulent apple, and all of a sudden my mouth is feeling really bad. And he describes it, and the doctor says, I'm sorry to tell you about that. That's a watermelon. A watermelon? I, th- I thought it was an apple. <laughs> I'm really sorry to tell you this. Well, what do you mean? I thought it was an apple. Okay, but it's not. It's a watermelon. Is the guy going to die? Yeah. Is it his fault? No, it's not his fault. But is he going to die? He's going to die. Why? Because he's eaten poison. Okay, let's take the next scenario. Imagine you have a king 
and the king wants to see whether his subjects respect him, they love him. So he decides to make up a random law. You know what? No one is allowed to eat watermelons. Do not eat watermelons. Why? Because I just want to test to see whether you love me. Do not eat watermelons. Imagine you have this guy. He loves the king so much. He's got the t-shirt, I love the king. He goes outside the palace, always with his vezuvela, and always says, long live the king, long live the king. And as he's outside the palace, he sees for some reason that there is all these really big apples, at least he thinks they're apples, going on sale really cheap, really, really cheap. People are just trying to get rid of them quickly, and you understand what's going on. He goes to someone, and he says, what's, what's going on? And he says, oh, do you want to buy an apple? That's a funny-looking apple. I know, they're very big. They're very, very big apples. Are you interested in an apple here? Very cheap. He says, all right, sure, no problem. So he buys his apple, really a watermelon, and he cuts into it. And as he's outside the palace saying, long live the king, he takes a snack. And he starts eating this juicy apple. And all of a sudden, he gets arrested. He says, what's going on? We're taking you to the king. You're taking me to the king? Oh, wow, I've always wanted to see the king. He gets in front of the king. And the king says, what are you doing? King, I'm so happy to see you. Wow, all these years. Can I get a photo with you? And the king says, why are you eating the watermelon? A watermelon? You're not allowed to eat watermelons. I wasn't eating a watermelon. That's a watermelon in your hand. This, <laughs> that's called an apple. No, it's not. It's a watermelon. You ate a watermelon. Now, if the king was just and fair, would he punish the guy for eating the watermelon? No. Not at all. <laughs> I'll say the opposite. He would reward him for his loyalty. There was never anything to the watermelon as itself. It was only just a test of loyalty. And the fact is, he's loyal. Okay. Let's flip the scenarios around. Here we go. Let's get back to the doctor. Imagine the guy's told again by the doctor, you eat watermelons, you're going to die. Yeah, if I eat watermelons, I'm going to die. Yeah, right. That doctor's such a quack. He has no idea what he's talking about. I'll show that doctor. I'll show that doctor. Straight away, he goes to the supermarket and he buys himself a little bag filled with six little crunchy watermelons. And he goes, ha, let's see. I'm allergic to watermelons. Well, let's try that out. And he takes one apple. Well, I'm eating this watermelon, not doing anything. Okay, still not doing anything at all. This doctor is such a quack. I'm going to call the doctor up. He calls up the doctor. He says, hey, doc, get a load of this. That's right. I'm eating a watermelon and I ain't dying, am I? The doctor's listening. He says, it sounds to me like you're eating an apple. What? Uh, <laughs> sorry, wrong number. Is the guy going to die? No. Why? Because he's not had watermelon. The point is, he's not had the poison. His intention is to go against the doctor. Who cares? The point is, he's not had the poison. But now let's take the other scenario. And you get the guy who hates the king so much. And he says to the king, King, this is what I think of you. And he goes up to the palace gates. And he buys himself a whole bag of apples, thinking they're watermelon. He says, King, this is what I think of you. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Oh, yeah. Go over this, eh? I'm eating watermelons, and I don't care. And the king says, what's going on down there? I don't know, some guy eating some crunchy apples for some reason. Bring him up here. And he goes up to the king, and the guy says, yeah, king, watch this. <coughs> yeah, yeah. How'd you like that? And the king says, you know, you're eating an apple. Oh, would the king tell him off? Would he get in trouble? Of course he would. Why? Because intention is the rebelling aspect. 
two aspects to every single mitzvah. It is not just the thought that counts. The Torah tells us that there's a reality to every mitzvah. We have a physical body and we have a spiritual body. The Torah is telling us that if you want to be able to have a healthy spiritual body, these are the mitzvahs. And those mitzvahs is how you build spiritual muscles. When you do an Aveira, you are doing damage. If someone eats chazer, he eats pig, but he didn't mean to, would it cause damage? Yes. Why? Because there's a reality to every single mitzvah, like the case of a doctor. Now, would a person be, so to speak, told off? I hate the word punishments. I don't like the word punishments. Would a person be told off for the fact that he's, by mistake, eaten pig? No, it's not about that. But has he done damage? He's done damage. And on the other side, if you get someone who purposely tries to do an Aveira, purposely tries to, but hasn't done the Aveira, have they caused damage? No. But they do have this extra thing of the rebellion aspect. And for that, that causes damage in the relationship. Two parts to every mitzvah. And with this, we can answer something which I've always struggled with. When you look at Shari Teshuva, it explains that Teshuva is one of the greatest miracles ever. Why? Why is that a miracle? Imagine if I offended you. Imagine I really, really offended you. But then I apologize. Not just a, I'm sorry. You can see into my heart. I am absolutely devastated over what I did. I wish I could go back in time. Would you forgive me if you truly saw that I'm sorry? I think any decent person would say, yes. If you really see the person is properly sorry, you'll forgive them. Okay. Now, who is kinder, you or God? If I would forgive someone, then to say that Hashem, who's meant to be kulei rachamim, kulei chesed, for Hashem to say, I forgive you, that's a miracle. That's a miracle. It's, it's common decency. Why would we say that's the greatest miracle? Why is a shiva a miracle? It's great. It's amazing. But a miracle? And I think we already have the answer here. Vis-a-vis the concept that you were disrespectful to the king and you're apologetic for that and Hashem says, I forgive you. That aspect is probably not a miracle. It's the kindness of Hashem, but not a miracle. You know what the miracle aspect of Teshuvah is? You drank poison. You drank poison. You did damage. And somehow, miraculously, when you do this process called Teshuvah, it gets rid of the poison. A guy's walking off a cliff. It's not his fault, but he's walking off a cliff. He's now falling off the cliff. He does to shiver. Suddenly, he's just drawn back off the cliff and he's not falling down. person drinks cyanide and says, I'm sorry. Please, Hashem, help me. The cyanide somehow goes away from his body. How does that work? That's the miracle of to shiver. It says in Gemara Baba Kama, Kol ha'oyma ha'kosh baruchu vatran huyavata al-chayav. Anyone who says that Hashem, ah, he forgoes, he forgives. Don't worry about it. He forgives. He understands. He forgives. He forgoes his life. Wow, so harsh. How can that be? So perhaps we can say there as well. Anyone who says, ah, it's okay. Hashem understands. He understands. Yeah, but you're looking at the king aspect to the mitzvah. What you're not doing is looking at the reality side to the mitzvah. If a person drinks poison and says, look, it's not my fault. Hashem understands. Yeah, but you just drank poison. Therefore, anyone who says, ah, the mitzvahs are just nice ideas, is going to forego his life when he drinks that 
poison. And you know, I think we see this beautiful idea in davening. We say during the week, Salach lanu avinu ki chatanu, machalanu malkenu ki fashanu. Forgive us, daddy, because we've done a chet. Pardon us, king, because we've done a pesha. What's the difference between a chet and a pesha? A chet is when we do something wrong, not intentionally. It's a mistake. A pesha is where we're rebelling. Forgive us, daddy, because we've done a chet. Daddy, I've eaten some poison. Save me, daddy. Cause this miracle. Daddy comes along to be able to perform the chesed, to be able to get rid of the poison, which is the chet. But the second part, where it comes to the pesha, the rebellion, maybe the case of the rebellion is, is I went into a restaurant, you know, I said, enough with this, kosher. Let me go into McDonald's and I start to eat, you know, bring out the biggest cheese mac, you know, the ham, cheese mac, everything you've got, bring it all together. And I eat it. Ah, oh, geschmack. Probably wouldn't say that word. Real non-kosher. Finally, proper food. And they come up to me afterwards and they say, "Ah, um, sorry, the food we gave you actually was kosher. What? Yeah, it was actually um, faken. But you had cheese. Yeah, that was soya. Okay, but I had your meat burger. Actually, we we, we got some tival. (laughs) Yeah, but you still cooked on your non-kosher stuff. Well, actually, you know, we brought a barbecue afterwards because, you know. And everything you find out, you're eating kosher. That's still a pesha. The pesha is when you're rebelling. For that aspect... You need mechila from the king, forgiveness for the king. We need to keep in mind the king aspect and the doctor aspect. Now, you may ask which aspect of the two is more important. They're both important. They're both important. But the Maharal in Deferes Yisrael, chapter 8, gives us an answer. He says, Chas v'shalom. God forbid that you should think the Torah is just a medical book just knowing what's healthy spiritually and what's not healthy. The Ikka, the main focus of the mitzvahs is, what does Hashem want? I'm here for you, Hashem, respect to the king. That's the main aspect, and he proves it. It says in Gemara Chulin, Taf Yudzayin Malayim Kol Tuv, that when the Jewish people were dividing up the conquered lands of Israel for seven years, their houses were filled with goodness. What was goodness? Pig. The Jews were allowed to eat pig for seven years as the land was being divided up. Meaning certain times the Torah might say you're allowed to do something. Will it cause damage? It will cause damage. But nevertheless, Hashem says it's allowed. It's almost like if you eat chulant and kugel and ice cream and cake on Shabbos, are you going to cause damage to your physical body? Maybe it is a mitzvah. But trust me, if you eat that, it ain't going to be healthy. So too, certain times, Hashem permits something which may cause spiritual damage. It will still cause damage, yet it's permitted. And from that, the Maharal says, therefore, the Ikka, the main focus is doing the Ratzon of Hashem. Let's give another example as well. Imagine you are on a desert island and the only thing to eat is pig. If you eat the pig, will the pig cause damage? Yes. Should you eat the pig? You must eat the pig. You have to eat the pig. It's Bekuach Nefesh, it's saving your life, it's vital. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't cause damage. If someone needs to go to hospital on Shabbos, do you call? Yes, you do call. Do you use a shinui? Do you do it in an indirect way? Not if it's going to cause any, any delay. You do it. When you're breaking Shabbos, does it cause damage? Simply thinking, yes, it does. So should you not do it? No, do it! Lose a finger, gain an arm. Do the damage 
for the greater good of saving a life. If we believe in the physical world, it is governed by science and maths. And if you were to have a formula and certain ingredients missing, we know that physically it's gone. So too in the spiritual world, there is a science to the spiritual world as well. It's not a world of good intentions. Perhaps with a nice take-home message, this also applies when it comes to how we interact with other people. It's not just did you buy the flowers for your wife or not. It's what the intention is as well. At the same time, it's like I had all the intentions of buying you flowers, I just didn't manage to. Yeah, but. You need to do it as well. <laughs> there's the reality to the gift, and there's the intention as well. Let's not forget both. Have a great Shabbos.